What's up, everyone? Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Copon. It's August 23, 2023, and this is Lift and Learn, episode 124. In this episode, I'll talk about how you can improve grip strength. This is important because it's actually a pretty important aspect of health, believe it or not. And then I'll talk about if yoga is a good substitute for mobility work. Before that, though, I'll talk a bit about what I've been up to lately. And that might include fitness-related topics, and it might not. If you want to follow me, your host, on Instagram, it's isaiah.copon. And you can also check out my website, isaiahcopon.com. The podcast is on Instagram, at liftandlearnpodcast, on Twitter, at liftandlearnpod, and also on Facebook. You can just search Lift and Learn Podcast. With that being said, let's get into it. One of the most important things you can do for yourself when it comes to achieving your health and fitness goals is to stay consistent. Just sticking to the habit of going to the gym once or twice a week is better than nothing. Stick to the habit of doing your exercise routine no matter how short it may be. Just be consistent with that and that could get the ball rolling forward. Keep up that momentum and eventually that could lead to making better decisions going forward. That could mean when it comes to exercise... And that could be the same with diet as well. If you're consistently making your own meals, being mindful of what you're eating, just consistently making better meal choices day by day, the results will show up. That might mean refraining from snacking late at night. You won't see your body change overnight, but you keep that up for a month, definitely after three months. You sticking with that, refraining from those ultra-processed foods, especially when it's just uh, eating because you're bored, that goes a long way. I feel like this is a common issue for some of my clients too, even for me, I'll be honest. I know when I have that snack that's so easily accessible and right there, easy to see on the kitchen counter, not even stored away, it becomes tempting and that could be game over right there. But you gotta stick with it for as long as you can. Basically, what kind of routine uh, can you stick with 90% of the time for the rest of your life? That's the way you should be viewing having good health forever. Yes, there's going to be times where life gets too busy for perfect workouts and optimal workout scheduling and eating properly, and that's fine. But when that time's over, maybe that means a few days or whatever it is, get back on the grind, get it done. It's really that simple. The problem is when most people fall off, they stay off. And that's the toughest cycle to break, especially these days where society's just uh, geared to make us lazier and lazier. Most people don't even cook for themselves anymore. You can just Uber food delivery to your house now so you have access to basically any kind of food you're craving and it'll just come straight to your door. So yeah, that's why consistency trumps all when it comes to achieving long-term success with becoming healthier. It's your lifestyle that got you to this point in your life. If you're 20 or 50 pounds overweight, it's a combination of all of those life factors. So sleep, diet, exercise, or lack of, and maintaining stress levels. Those are the four main pillars when it comes to being healthy. If you don't have a good handle on those, that's when it could literally show everyone around you, hey, this is what I struggle with, because it's something that you can see, like if somebody's overweight, you know what I mean? 
these days it's pretty common. I mean, 75% of people are now overweight or something like that. So it's really not common knowledge about what you can do to be healthy, especially when the media tells you, oh, cutting out this food is going to make you lose 10 pounds or whatever hell else they're trying to sell. Here's the thing. Your lifestyle is what got you to your current spot. So making those small tweaks in the right direction is what will carry you to be a better you in the future. What are you currently doing right now that can be improved even just 1% more or better? Making those choices consistently and often, that's what will help you inch toward a healthier life. Talking about life, this weekend was pretty great. I guess it was actually just the weekend before, but I had a little session to myself at the beach. Just sat out there enjoying the last few weeks of summer. It was a super nice day out. Was there for like a few hours and then had to go to a team party at work. That was also a good time. Got to talk about life instead of just work all the time with the other trainers. We got to just hang out, which was solid. Now, the party was cut short due to unforeseen circumstances, but that's a story for another day, which included one or two ambulances. I had a nice family get together on the weekend, way too much food. I did end up eating quite a bit that day, like cake and some snacks, but it's all good. I've been doing in-body scans for the past few months during this cut, and I'm actually under 160 pounds for the first time. I don't know if I should be proud, but regardless, the cut is going well. Probably got another four weeks to go, and then I'm going to reverse diet out of there. I'm going to enjoy this next bulk, but it's going to be as clean as it can be. Super excited going into year 33 here for me. Oh my god, the kid's getting old. My birthday's in late September, and I'm planning on doing a super slow bulk for maybe more than a year, with some breaks in between, of course. I really want to focus on actually putting on some muscle, and I won't be lifting heavy. And that's what I tell myself now, but who knows. I'm just going to stick to boring old lightweight for like 12 to 15 reps, because that's a zone that I need to train a lot more in. I need to just stick with it for at least the end of this year. So like October, November, December, I just have to tell myself, don't lift heavy and just do your 15 reps. It's it's going to be a struggle, but I'll do my best. So I'm hoping I could put on a pound a month for the next year of lean muscle mass, which would be wicked. I'm excited for that. And then on Sunday, nice little morning workout all by myself. Walked in the local park too by the river, Super peaceful when it's 10 a.m. on a Sunday while everyone else is too lazy to go outside, but that works in my favor. I picked up uh, new glasses, which I've been rocking for a bit now. Got these clear ones, got another pair that's brown. These are the highlights of my life right here. Nothing exciting going on. My prescription changed a little bit since my last eye exam. That was probably when I was in high school. It took a bit of adjusting, but after the first few days, they're fine. I've been wearing glasses since I was a teenager, but rarely wear them because my vision's not that bad. I literally only use them for golf, but now I'll use them to drive, especially at night or if there's some kind of precipitation going on. And yeah, that's been life lately. I went for a massage last week too. That was great. Might have to keep on going to those if insurance starts to cover it, you know what I mean? I even took a Pilates class recently that definitely pointed out some weaknesses that I've been ignoring for a bit. Core strength still isn't great, even though I can do leg raises decently, but it's lacking in like an endurance aspect. And anything swinging my leg out to the side, there's some range of motion there that is to be desired. So I got to start working on that. Overall, it was a good class though. Took some of those movements, added them into my own mobility routine so I can get better with some of those. And then a few days later, 
this is what I do, man. I live at the gym. I did my first hot yoga class, which I had time for. That was on Friday. It was cold enough to leave the house with a sweater on that morning. So it was not a beach day or a golfing day. Hot yoga wasn't too bad. I was expecting it to be hotter, but because I've been doing like the daily sauna or steam room, the room just wasn't hot enough to even be close to challenging. I did this sweat and surrender class, which means the first half of the movement was more like movement and flow part. And then the last part was just chilling in like an easier pose for a few minutes. I'm not going to lie. Pretty sure I fell asleep for some of those parts in the last like half hour there. I was like twitching during some of those movements we had to hold at the end, but good way to finish the Friday there. And then I recently played basketball again and I didn't injure myself. So thank you. It's been a pretty eventful few days. Just had time for a few games at like this LA Fitness. And then I played this one golf course too on the weekend, Dragon's Fire. Very well maintained, but it was challenging. Of the three of us or the four of us that were out there, came in last. I'm not ashamed to admit it, but that's fine. That's fine with me. There's always next time. Question one, how to improve grip strength. Grip strength may not seem that important to most people, It gets overlooked when it shouldn't. Most people are focused on getting lean or getting shredded, losing some pounds, but if your grip is weak, there's also a good chance your health isn't in great condition, especially if nothing acute happened, like you broke your hand and never recovered. But if nothing's happened to your hand or your wrist and your grip strength sucks, grip strength sucks, (laughs) that could mean you're not in the greatest of health right now. And there's been research that has backed this up. A bunch of studies showing how powerful grip correlates to life longevity, like how it relates to cardiovascular disease. Two of my clients actually brought this up to me recently, so it's good that more and more people are starting to realize the importance of grip strength in general. Having a weak uh, a weak grip, believe it or not, can even be linked to poor cognitive function, osteoporosis, obesity, fall risk, I'm pretty sure arthritis and diabetes also. It's also related to higher incidences of heart attack, stroke, cardio disease, basically death. The importance of grip strength is more than just like shaking hands with someone. It influences uh, various aspects of life. You're able to carry groceries, open jars easier, holding on to things which could reduce risk of uh, any kind of accidents and possibly injuries. So grip strength is important for regular day-to-day living and gets more important as you get older. Maintaining grip strength as you age can enhance your ability to live independently, which I always talk about. It's often correlated with longevity and quality of life. Engaging the muscles and bones of the hands and wrists through grip, uh, grip exercises contributes to overall bone density and health. Developing grip strength can alleviate discomfort associated with conditions like carpal tunnel syndrome, tendonitis, which I have one client dealing with. If you're an athlete, it's a no-brainer that you'll need some kind of grip strength to do said sport. This could mean sports like basketball, tennis, but could also mean martial arts and other extreme sports like Uh, rock climbing or weightlifting. Grip strength is involved in pretty much every sport in one way or another, and a powerful grip can improve performance for sure. So basically, grip strength is actually a pretty important aspect of physical fitness with multiple benefits. Incorporating grip-focused exercises into your routine not only improves performance in real-life activities, but also promotes overall health and well-being. Whether you're an athlete, fitness enthusiast, someone Uh, seeking functional strength, 
working on improving your grip strength is a worthwhile investment in your own physical capabilities and long-term health or gains, or I guess it just makes life a little bit easier. So, okay, to recap, grip strength, vital, often overlooked in uh, when it comes to any aspect of physical fitness, yeah, it gets overlooked. It plays a significant role in daily activities, sports performance, overall health. So to enhance grip strength, this is what the topic is really about. You need to incorporate targeted exercises into your routine. So let me just break down some effective methods I found. These are things that I've been doing to increase my grip over the years and even with my recent finger dislocation. Remember that at first I couldn't even grip anything. I couldn't even hold myself up in a pull-up for like one or two months after. But I constantly work on it because it's something that I know is vital for long-term health. Compound movements. There's your answer. They're not only great for building muscle, they're also great if you're looking to increase your grip strength. That means, or this includes like exercises like deadlifts, pull-ups, rows. These exercises engage multiple muscle groups, including those responsible for grip strength. Another big one, farmer walks with dumbbells, kettlebells, or if you have access to a trap bar as well. Again, I love farmer walks. Uh, It's an exercise that directly targets grip strength. You carry heavy weights in each hand for distance. Hanging from a pull-up bar is a similar effect. You can do that for time, and this could help improve grip strength, obviously. Those are my two go-to exercises that you could easily do throughout the day too, not just specific workout times. Specifically, working the forearm muscles as well could help. So forearm curls, like a behind-the-back variation, is my go-to if I want to specifically work on that. The thing about also improving grip strength, these movements not only build overall strength, but also challenges the hands and fingers. Besides the compound movements that are beneficial for so many things, there's also specific grip tools. This means grip trainers, those hand grippers, maybe even something more simple like a ball, resistance bands, or the good old like rice in a, or hand in a rice bag. These tools provide progressive resistance, allowing you to gradually increase your grip strength specifically. I still think it would be better to do some of the more functional movements I mentioned earlier, farmer walks or deadlifts, because you work on the grip strength and overall strength of your body and core at the same time. But I mean, if you're just at your desk and have a bit of time, those grip trainers are better than nothing. And something you might want to think about investing in could be a dynamometer. It's a tool that measures how strong your grip strength is, and you can see over time how you're progressing, especially if you track it. I bought one years ago, and I should test all of my clients, but I I usually only do it for my older clients because that's when it becomes even more important, the grip strength, um, strength. I have to mention too, when you're using free weights, don't use straps for most of your sets if your grip strength is really lacking. If you rely on the straps all the time for deadlifts, your grip will likely get worse because you're going to need the straps all the time and you're not actively using your hands to hold the weight anymore. So they're not being worked. This might mean starting slow and increasing weight over the weeks, which is fine and benefits you way more in the end. So continue to work on that grip strength and you'll find that life becomes a bit easier when you have control of what your hands are doing. That comes with countless benefits right there. Question two, is yoga a good mobility substitute? Yoga is great, first off. I really dove into that during the pandemic since I had limited equipment. My training changed during those times because of that, so I worked on my mobility a lot because that's really all I could do. And yoga definitely played a key part into keeping up my health and fitness when the gyms were closed. 
I spent most days, at least in the summer, outside working on both yoga and mobility. But I had to bring this up because I have some clients who I've prescribed mobility work to, and they just say, oh, I'll just do a yoga class and I'm good, right? Well, yes and no. The thing is, yoga is beneficial for sure, especially if you're not going to do anything. There's no question about that. A lot of people are stuck doing the same thing every day, sitting, working at a desk, and there's not a lot of movement going on. And then that causes a lot of common issues that will pop up, like upper cross syndrome, the whole forward neck, rounded shoulders deal. Now, yes, it's good to do some kind of movement and stretch your body, get out of your normal comfort zone with movements and some twisting motions, stretching and flexing certain muscles, isometric holds. So yoga could cover this. It's beneficial for everyone, all ages. Yoga is a holistic practice that combines physical postures, breath control, mindfulness. The poses and flows in yoga encourage gentle, gradual stretching of muscles and tissues. This promotes a mix of flexibility and mobility. You focus on alignment and balance, and to a certain degree, uh, it uh, engages joints in their full range of motion. I think yoga is a decent substitute for mobility, and this is a controversial topic. But also on top of that, you need to work on areas that you're specifically lacking in. For me, I have one or two days of yoga a week right now paired with my specific shoulder and hip or hamstring mobility exercises because that's an opportunity for me to improve in. Like I mentioned earlier, I did a Pilates class and it's not the exact same thing as yoga, but it's another form of exercise that works on breath work, extending in a larger range of motion. And there can be a bit of overlap between the two practices. Now, when it comes to mobility, the ability to move freely and comfortably through your joints' full range of motion, that's crucial. Traditional mobility drills often involves uh, dynamic stretching and joint-specific exercises. This should be the go-to when it comes to improving flexibility and joint health and mobility. Yoga is a good start, but the thing is, it's just a generic, basic class for everyone. And that might mean you'll go through a whole hour class and you might feel good, but you didn't get to work on the limited ankle flexibility or some kind of shoulder blade pain that you're dealing with. So this is why targeted mobility will still reign supreme in most scenarios. Mobility work should be based on the person you're talking about here. So specifically, what areas do you lack in? And you can come up with a few exercises to target that spot exactly. I like yoga more for meditative purposes as well. It's a general practice. This is why actual mobility drills that are effective for what you're weak in, that's going to be beneficial for you. There's also different kinds of yoga that would involve more rotation or holding movements, things like that. This is similar to mobility drills that you can do in your spare time to improve mobility, stability, and, flex and flexibility. While yoga offers substantial benefits, it's important to note that it might not cover all the bases of traditional mobility exercises or drills. Uh, mobility exercises often target specific joints and muscle groups, and this is how you address imbalances and asymmetries. Yoga, on the other hand, might provide more overall flexibility and relaxation, but you might not be or it might not be as targeted for certain areas, usually just because it's a generic class for everyone to enjoy, like I said earlier. That being said, integrating yoga into your routine can still be beneficial. Look for yoga classes or sequences that focus on poses that have like deep stretches or active engagements of joints, like downward dog, warrior poses, seated forward bends. That's great to fix some of these normal stresses of everyday life. 
But I also recommend supplementing your yoga practice with occasional targeted mobility exercises to make sure that you're working on areas of opportunity for yourself too. That's why I work on my shoulders, hips, hamstrings most days because those are problem areas for me. So to sum it up here, it's about finding a synergy between yoga's uh, yoga's benefits and targeted mobility work for a well-rounded approach. That's what I've been doing for the past few years. You just have to find out what works best for your body and your goals. Yoga can contribute to improved flexibility and mobility, but it might not replace the precision of traditional and specific mobility drills for yourself or a specific individual. Consider integrating both practices to enjoy the whole host of benefits. Stay flexible, stay mobile, and stay mindful to live your best life forever. And that concludes episode 124 of the podcast. Thank you for listening. If you really enjoyed the episode or my podcast as a whole, then please leave a review and comment on iTunes or whatever your choice of podcast platform is. Also, if you haven't already, you should hit that subscribe button because I'll be releasing episodes every Friday. If you want to follow me, your host, I'm Isaiah.Copon on Instagram. And you can also check out my website, IsaiahCopon.com. If you want to follow the podcast, you can check out at Lift and Learn Podcast on Instagram. And there's also a Facebook page if you just search Lift and Learn Podcast.